Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. Wednesday edition from 6th and Peabody. OutKick 360 is here with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us across the OutKick network. Jam-packed show as usual, primary complaint later this hour. Mark Harris from OutKick.com will join us. He's covering the Live Tour events that's taking place where I think Clay is playing with Phil today, uh, currently on the course. Uh, amazing. Michael Fabiano, amazing with his information on fantasy football. He's made a career off of being right about fantasy football projections. He will be with us in our number three. NFL news galore today. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Primary complaint. A little bit later, we'll be fired up and ready to go for that. And I am fired up for a big show today. I got a throbbing ankle under here, gentlemen. Uh-oh. I, uh, I, I stepped on a, a new curb out at Titans facility yesterday. And I have to admit, uh, at 53, I've twisted my ankle so many times. Uh, you guys might be reaching this stage that now, once in a while, I'm, I do it. And I expect it to be bad. And it turns into nothing. Because I think I'm so loose that it, they've been done so many times, it doesn't turn into anything. So I was hopeful yesterday when I did it that it'd be nothing. But it, in fact, it's something. It hurts like hell. So uh, I had some ice under the desk yesterday for look, a little it does while. It not look fun or uh, you know, something that you would want to deal with. It's funny. It's really swollen on the right side. And usually you know, it's one side or the other side. But it's really swollen on the right side. But it really hurts like hell on the inside. Not where the swelling is much less. Um, and so my Iron Tribe is going to be on hold a little bit here, and I'm really disappointed because I'd been on a good streak, and I would have gotten up at 5.55 this morning and gone and gotten a workout. It's all in, going to hell now. Not much I can <laughs> do. The workout routine's hey, done. Jacob, go get me six tacos. One, I might thing, as well one just... thing will derail the, the good good eating and working out, and that's, uh, that's as, a turn uh, As Traylon Burks get in, gets into shape, Paul uh, falls out of shape. Well, I, so I had a physical this morning, oh, and uh, there's no you know, doctor-client confidentiality with us in this show. So I'll tell you all about my doctor's appointment now. How many coughs? Well, I knew going in, first off, my blood work's going to be just awful because I've spent two weeks, one as a bachelor, eating nothing but, uh, again, let me back it up, Paul. Two weeks, one as a bachelor, eating nothing but fast food. Yes. Week number two. Continue. Eating enormous portions in Nebraska, like we always do. I mean, I'm getting three and four plates. But vegetables. Of everything. We had like two or three straight days we ate uh, like nachos, wow. like there were tacos prepared, and it's nachos. just nachos, Not your typical and chips, meal and I would think of everything. And then I'm having dessert for lunch. Uh, I have lunch, dessert, dinner, dessert each time. So we go big there. I mean, we eat the entire time, start to finish. You're looking forward to the next meal, and it's all delicious. So I knew going in, I didn't know I was having a a, a physical until two days before. 
They surprised you with the physical? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> the surprise physical. Well, they knock on your door. Here's surprise! what happens. Um, USADA at his doorstep. No, they, they, we, we do it a year out, right? I get a physical once every year. I never put it in my calendar, right? When they give it to they give you the little card. By the way, my primary complaint is going to involve a doctor's office yeah. coming up later, too. They give you the card of the appointment, and I fail to put it in my damn phone. So it sneaks up on me every time because I get the call that says, hey, uh, two days, you got a physical. I'm like, that's not going to be good. <laughs> so we get back, and Sunday night, I had a little bit of ice cream left that I bought when I was home alone. So I say, I'm going to eat what dessert the for the last time for a month. I'm not eating any form of dessert for a month after this. Eat that. I said, that, that's it. I ate well yesterday. I've eaten pretty well today so far. That's Tuesday. Now we're on Wednesday. Monday, Tuesday, I've eaten well. Went to the doctor today, and I told him, I I said, first off, yes, I need to lose about 10 pounds, and that's going to happen now that I'm eating better. I probably gained 10 pounds in two weeks. I don't think that's an exaggeration. It's happened. So the scale showed that, in fact. So I said, I'm going to lose lose that weight, and I'm just going to warn you. It's always great when you come and you warn your your primary physician that this blood work is going to be atrocious. It's probably going to look bad, but I'm not worried about it because I feel fine. <laughs> There's no big issues going on. There's nothing to be concerned about, but there could be some warning signs there of things that probably don't exist because I've been a complete glutton for the last two weeks, and I've done this before where this happens. I remember when I was in my 20s. The doctor's like, let me guess, sir, uh, bachelor weekend. Well, that's funny enough. In my 20s, I had this happen where I had a Monday morning physical and I had friends from college in over the weekend. It's probably late 20s. And just drank the entire weekend going on Monday morning at 8 a.m. And suddenly I've got to get a biopsy on my liver because they look at the liver enzymes yeah, that are elevated at that point. Better. You schedule at the end of the good month, not at the beginning. Did he respond by, hey, Chad, I've got to warn you and put while he's putting on a latex glove? No, we, we don't do that yet. I did ask about prostate. Uh, I'm 40 now. I said, when do you do the, pro- the PSA screening? And he said, uh, if, if for African-American men at 40, for you at 45, there's a higher instance in, in African-Americans. So I said, okay, that, that's good. Uh, the other thing I asked him about was uh, testosterone. Um, I, I said, I, I'm not looking into taking that right now. I'm just curious what the physician stance is on I just know the street value of testosterone it. clinics. And, oh, by the way, I might get into some bodybuilding, <laughs> some light bodybuilding. And WWE's I may need some testosterone. Yeah, we- <laughs> yeah uh, I was actually talking with Triple H on the phone last week, and I was, I was wanting to get his workout regimen. But I asked about that. I'll tell you guys about that off air because I don't want to insult any sponsors yes. out, or p- potential sponsors out there. Um, <laughs> I love when I make Jacob laugh the other room. So the, the other thing that, I, I've, that came up this time that it's always been a point of pride with me is the nurse will take my pulse. And almost every time they say, man, you have the pulse of a marathon runner. It is remarkable how like steady and low your pulse is. Like, do you run marathons? And I'm thinking, <laughs> look at me. I do not run. I don't have the build. It's you and Jimmy Johnson. Uh, yeah, to, to run marathons. No, I don't run marathons. Well, today they take my pulse and she says, let me, let me test that. Give me, give me your finger again. Let me test that again. She said, this is a little low. Oh, <laughs> I'm thinking. So I went from like a 58 to a 54 and I would think, think that's a dead. good thing. And now they're thinking, like, your heart rate is low. Like, not only am I so even killed that before it was a point of pride, now it's like, it's a little, Flatline. your heart rate's a little low on there. And I'm thinking, is that good or bad? And then she tells she's, what is it normally? I said, well, my Fitbit says when I'm asleep, it's like 55 or 54. 
And she said, okay, that's probably fine. It's 58 right now. Uh, well, I'm barely awake. It is early in the morning. So, yeah, you know, three more beats per minute sounds. Right. I said, okay, we'll let that pass. Do you have something like that, Hut, that like no matter what goes on at the doctor is always good? My blood pressure, I always know my blood pressure is going to be good. No matter how bad I am, how fat I am, whatever, the blood pressure is always my, good. My blood pressure is always great, too. This is, this is where I, I'm conflicted because I, you know, I would put this in the same boat as I want to know what it feels like outside, not what the temperature is. Right. Um, I don't understand preparing your body for a physical when there's preparation needed. I'm getting the physical to know what I'm doing on a daily basis in order to find out what it's, what's going on inside of me based on my daily regimen, yeah. not based on the preparation made for said physical. Well, if you've got so insurance premiums. Well, I, don't I, I, think, I, the, I think it's less about preparing the way you're saying, Hutton, and like changing everything to trick it. It's about avoiding tricking it the other way. So I am tripping it up. I have lived two weeks, but that's not my daily regimen. That's much worse. So I went to the physical tricking it the, other, the bad way. So you want to avoid that because I don't want to be prescribed medicine I don't, I don't really need. If I could eat better for a week and drink a lot of water and then come back and do the same blood test and everything's fine and normal, you want to avoid that. But it's a good point. You don't want to go into it live a terribly unhealthy life for 11 months and then decide, hey, for a month I'm going to live right to trick the physical no, into what I'm, yeah. I'm not. Well, I know no he's going to tell me to lose weight and put on muscle and all that, so I try to get somewhere in the rhythm that he's looking for me to be in by the time I get there. You know, there are people that will go on supplements and stuff trying to get all their vitamins up to a certain level, and I'm like, what? why does it matter if you're – I mean, the, the whole point of the physical is to determine where you're deficient. Not what you've done well over the last month to prepare for this this pop quiz. Some people do it for insurance premiums, like it, your cholesterol level. You got to get it down to get the physical. It was to get also the insurance premium. It was also funny down. that um, uh, I you know I came in. I said, yeah, I'm going to drop ten pounds. I'll do it quickly because I know myself and I know that I, I'm going to be disciplined enough yeah. to drop the weight quickly and I'll I'll be in the range that I like. And then at the end of the physical, he said, all right, so yeah, you're good, healthy, lungs, everything, reflexes sound great. Breathing well, everything good. So we'll drop about 15, huh? <laughs> I'm like, oh, 15. <laughs> Got it. Because I said 10 going in. He's like, so about 15, you'll be, you'll be perfect. Thinking, all right, I'll do my best. But I think I think 10's better, though. I think I need that extra five and not go down 15. Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson are splitting reps as the Browns begin practice in Cleveland as they await whatever's going to come of this Watson suspension. Um, not much was said by Stefanski today other than they are preparing for both sides of what could come. The suspension, they're going to make sure that they have their number one quarterback ready. That's Watson. As soon as he can play, he will play. They made that clear. And they also said as of right now, they're treating him as the number one because it's business as usual. Not business as usual, though, to split first team reps, which they've done from the jump. And in today's practice as we await things there. Um, the hold in, not the hold out, is becoming the norm. We saw this from Jeffrey Simmons here in Nashville with the Titans during minicamp. We're seeing it right now, uh, at least in two camps specifically. First in San Francisco, Debo Samuel, we know is going to get a contract extension because their head coach and general manager had both talked about that yesterday. Um, Debo Samuel was not practicing with the team today, although he was working on a side field or working on his own indoors, something of that nature. In essence, a hold in, not a hold out as they work on this. 
Same for Derwin James with the Chargers. Um, it is uh, it, this is this is the time where it becomes mandatory fifty thousand dollar fine, forty to fifty thousand dollar fine per day that you hold out. But if you report to camp and you have your head coach and uh, everyone involved on board with whatever you're doing off to the side, technically you're there and you're not getting fined. Yeah. So the they, they during mini camp, if you were not there and then you showed up, the team could waive the fine or they could fine you. Now it's mandatory. It's coming out of your check whether the team at the end of the day wants to do away and erase the fine money or not. They so can't. Yeah, it's 40000 a day if you're on your initial contract, 50000 a day if you're on a second contract. So that's uh, th- those are the two players that we await for a new contract. There's also one in Chicago that I need to uh, do some digging on uh, because the Bears were also mentioned as a potential hold-in type uh, situation to begin camp. And uh, it's officially happened. It took two incomplete passes from Mitchell Trubisky as they began Steelers camp for chance of Kenny Pickett um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers at an open practice today with fans. There you go. There you go. Two regarding pass, two two passes in. Regarding Jeffrey Simmons, he said he's not talking about his contract. Uh, Nick Bosa, in all of this openness in San Francisco, has apparently said he's content to wait until next year. And the 49ers have, have pretty much said that. I think that hurts Jeffrey Simmons. Yep. While Nick Bosa is mm-hmm. making good money this year because he was more. the second or third pick in the draft, so he's got a much bigger base salary. His base is over ten million. Jeffrey Simmons needs somebody else in that class to get an extension who's ahead of him to set a tone, a precedent that people are getting extended out of that class. The Titans, I think, on their side can say, look, nobody out of that class is getting extended, so we're not extending you. I think Bosa being content to go forward without an extension hurts Jeffrey Simmons' bid for an extension. And this is where his injury really sets him back because he has lived up to the expectation of this, the, whenever he was drafted, he was positioned as he fell where he did because of the offseason injury in preparation for the combine. Had he not had the injury, he was a top 10 pick. And had he not had the injury, he'd be making 10 million or yeah. around 10 Eight, million this 10. year. Um, instead and instead, he's two. making two. Yeah. And it's, not, it's the same round. You know, that, there's a huge drop off there. Yeah. It's surprisingly big uh, for slotted salaries that it goes from 10 for Bosa, who was second, I think maybe third to 19 being two. That, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Hit and, us uh, up on Twitter at Outkick360. Paul, uh, Traylon Burks had a splash play. I, I mentioned that the, the Steelers were chanting for Pickett on the second play of camp or the second incompletion. Tannehill today for the uh, Titans practice came out firing, going deep, and uh, connected on a diving attempt by Burks. He hauled in a pass that was the second of the day, I believe, for Tannehill. Yeah, I came out seven on seven, threw deep down the middle of Nick Westbrook Aquino on the first one and deep up the left side. I wouldn't call it a dive. I'd call it a, a stretch uh, to, to Burks uh, up the left side. Beat Christian Fulton on both. So, of course, you know, some people joking on Twitter. Oh, time to be concerned about Christian Fulton. Both very, really well executed uh, plays by the Titans offense. Burks had an, another one uh, where he's kind of awkward and slipping, but uh, a ball that Tannehill threw just short to the right, but Tannehill threw it before Burks turned. Um, so there was a good show of timing there. I, I tw- tweeted. This is great timing by Burks. I'm seeing the replay now um, with the with the extended. Paul saw it live, um, but he, I mean, he's 
he looks like a first round wide receiver in this play. So props to Traylon Burks for coming out ready to go. He looks uh, like he should look. You know, he said he only lost five or six pounds. I give him credit because I asked him specifically. He's talking about what he did between OTAs, minicamp, and now talking about having gotten into shape. He said he only lost five or six pounds. I don't buy that because I think it's noticeable to the eye. And rarely do you see a buddy that lost five or six pounds and say, hey, you look skinnier. Um, But I said, should you have done more to be ready for when you got here initially? And he said, yeah, I should have. Um, so that, that's good accountability by him. Hopefully there are no mm-hmm. issues going forward. We all said right. this. We're not going to remember what happened during that time if there are no issues going forward. Now you need them not to pull a hamstring, not to stub a toe, not to do whatever, and to be out there on a daily basis. And if he is, then the question is, you know, how much can he do to replace A.J. Brown? Uh, if he does those other things, then you're talking about how much of a setback, all of that, yada, yada. Um, so we'll see where he goes from here. But good start for him he would when on the field and playing in games at arkansas he's very similar to aj brown he is a player that play that you saw today in practice he's a guy who goes and gets it that there are instincts that you cannot teach that he may not test as well at times or whatever but he runs faster than anyone in the nfl on a 90 yard screen pass because he had to he's one of those guys aj brown is the same way he runs as fast as he needs to He's not always going to test off the charts, but they have some something inside of them that is a competitive difference of knowing how fast they need to go, knowing what they need to do to adjust to go get the ball. Traylon Burks had that at Arkansas. So if the discipline part of it can catch up with that, which he had issues with at Arkansas, Sam Pittman confirmed it. He had issues coming in earlier with the Titans. If that part goes away... He's got a chance to be A.J. Brown. I, I well, fully was, believe that. I feel like for both of them. Not out of the gates, but eventually. A, it's not a problem if they need to bang off the first guy because they're both physical enough to do it. Then they can run away from the second guy. Uh, if if Burks is, 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 in fact, faster than you expect the way A.J. Brown was faster than you expect. A.J. Brown came in and everybody was like, holy hell, he's a lot faster than we thought. And the first year, there's a lot of conversation about that. Huh? Like, wow, this guy is faster than we thought. Virtually everybody said it. Yeah, that may be the case with Burke. I, I think the, um, the, the weight issue is going to be an issue early in his career, um, just by his body build. And I don't know what was expected of him at Arkansas. He's listed, I think he was listed like 215 at Arkansas. He was not 215 at Arkansas. He weighed in at the combine at 225. That's Traylon Burks in shape at the combine at 225. So I, I look at him as playing a bit heavier at Arkansas than maybe where he was listed, and he came in heavier than where the Titans wanted him this offseason. He's back down, it seems like, to where they want to be. But 225 is also where A.J. Brown was listed um, on, on the weight portion of the, uh, of the spreadsheet, so to speak. So, I, again, I don't know what the target goals are there, but the offseason, in-season version to Chad's point, what we saw from Traylon Burks in the SEC is not the guy that we saw this offseason here in town. I'm not a you know a body composition expert by any means, but looking at Traylon Burks when he was here earlier, he looked to be in the 240s, I would say. Yeah, I mean, he and he's heavy. probably yeah. – but also, he doesn't have to be 225 to play at a, at a high – I right. think 230 
He's just a big guy, naturally. Like I think two thirty yeah, is a I'm good range. Is a two thirtyish, but, yeah, but I think I they want him. Two fifteen is he's not two fifteen. I think they'd like to have him around the same way than where they kept AJ. Yeah. AJ came out and set a tone at practice. He worked. I mean, he was constantly out there, and that that's what I'll be looking for from from Burks in that same mold. And if he keeps that regiment, he's going to keep the pounds off. So I, I don't think it's a it's an in season issue as much as it is. The big breaks and you know, are you doing the right steps to keep your body in the in the pro style um, management? And if you're a rookie, you're just drafted, and you're done with the combine, you're done with the final test, and all you have are meetings. Maybe it's tough to stay in that same mindset. It shouldn't be moving forward. He admitted and it's it a sounded, mistake. It sounded like he he had the right tone with with answering all that today, which is great. Yep, good stuff. How was Tannehill on day one? Uh, I thought he was. Good. He was sound. It was interesting. Uh, not a lot of people were paying attention to it. It was during special teams. They started at the eight-yard line, took quick two-step drops, and they were throwing to a garbage can, a fade to the back uh, pylon. And uh, Tannehill hit the garbage can, missed the first one, hit the garbage can on the second one, buried the third one. Um, Woodside went 0 for 3, came around for a second turn, went 0 for 3. Malik was 0 for 3. Uh, Pat O'Hara... Missed the first one, the quarterback coach. Hit the second one. So quarterback coach earning street cred with, uh, with his guys. I thought it was pretty good. Tannehill, uh, you know, was, uh, was in a good mood. I think he's relieved to be back, fully back at it after, you know, an offseason where he struggled to, to come to terms with that Cincinnati game, which we're going to be talking about, as we've said, until he gets him back to January. Uh, also worth noting, Caleb Farley and Robert Woods do not have knee braces no on knee braces. as they begin training camp practice. That is a massive note uh, and a check mark uh, for their recovery and to show they're on course Both moved with well. what they're doing. And, uh, you know, um, Rabel said yesterday that Farley in a practice that day or the day before, you know, where it's just uh, rookies and injured guys who are coming back who get a head start, had two interceptions. He didn't say off who or he acted like he didn't remember, but that uh, people were underestimating his length, which he said he has a tendency to do himself. So farly off to a good start coming into, into camp anyway. We've got some, uh, some other notes from across the league when we come back. Um, the biggest things to watch for as NFL training camps begin, maybe some – some players and it, trends on, on social media. If I see a player's name, I'll pay more attention to it based on the situation they're in. We'll, we'll dive into that. Also, uh, a player comes off PUP on day one of, of camp for New Orleans. And I find that to be very intriguing based on how last season played out for Michael Thomas. I'll explain uh, the theory behind the PUP designation and the fact that he's not even on it uh, anymore one day into to training camp. All that more straight ahead on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
so a, a theory on a, a PUP designation. Outkick 360 rolls on. Paul and I were discussing this during the break. So Michael Thomas, if I'm getting the the my memory, if my memory serves me well from last year, he had a a surgery or an injury that was kind of. I, if it wasn't out of the blue, it was it put the team in a really he wait. interesting spot because he waited he to have wait. the procedure and it pushed all the way up through the start of the season, right? And it cost him the whole season, right? Yes, and and there was a, a contractual issue. They were not seeing eye to eye on things. It was it was odd. Um, fast forward to now, and I I just find it unusual that a guy who's unphysically unable to perform, which is not designated until last week, is immediately off PUP day one of practice. Anything on the field, he's practicing from the first snap and he's removed from the list. Is there is that because they didn't know what was what was going to happen? There wasn't great communication there? Or is that just a CYA because he's the superstar and if we need to wait a week, we'll wait a week? But again, it's PUP is is used normally for guys that you fear will not be ready for week one. I mean, it's it's used. It gets a lot more attention when it's used for a guy that's not ready for week one. But um, I think Caleb Farley here last year. It was a week, a full week of practice before he was off. I do. It could be something hot, but it could also just be like he came in and said, "Hey, our trainers want to see you for three days doing X, Y, and Z before we'll pop you off." Or they could have just said, you know, the plan could have been. You're going to get here, and once you can do X, Y, and Z, you'll be in the clear. That could be two days. It could be two weeks. But whenever it is, you're a go. I would think there's some animosity. Maybe they've cleaned it up between them because he really screwed them over last year and left yes. them in a big, I mean, they, big hole. They, uh, and he's they, a jerk, I feel like. They, they've worked on his deal, though, and they've, I mean, they've, they've worked in his favor He's a big part of what they oh, want to do. He's a supremely at, talented. At the top, but, weren't there trade demands? Yeah, like it, it, they didn't want to deal him. Well, uh, at who the wanted deadline? him at that stage? I, I oh, mean, you didn't know what his. Uh, I understand that, but there. I mean, if you want Antonio Brown, you want Michael Thomas. Oh right? yeah, I like, mean, he's not a locker room cancer or anything like that. But you have no idea what his physical condition is. Exactly. And trading for a guy, even if you get to physically examine him, very rarely do you say. Yeah, I'll trade for, for Withrow, who's halfway through his rehab, right, yeah, yeah. waiting and, and the, the other four you're months. You're trading in October for a guy who's going to help you in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, not, not for next year. It's pretty dangerous. Um, nonetheless, it's a big development that he's out there, and I look he's forward to seeing from the back. jump ready to go for New Orleans because they need, you know, their defense is going to be really good, really good. And they need a little firepower offensively. Alvin Kamara's back. They now have Michael Thomas at receiver. The Camaro may be suspended they, to drafted, start, right? Yeah, he might be. They've drafted uh, Alave to pair with Michael Thomas. So they have some interesting pieces, and he was the big one, and he's available today. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, we'll bring that up with Fabiano coming and up in James hour number three. And James Winston at quarterback. So That's where they lose me. That's that's. This is a big opportunity, though, for, for James Winston. We've said that a lot in recent years, but – He's going to have the, the keys going into the season. I mean, we're, we're talking about a team going into the final week of the, of the season last year with a playoff chance, and they played four quarterbacks. That's how bizarre of a season it was for New Orleans and how good they were defensively to stay in those games. 
Um, today's big storylines across the league and, and what we're watching uh, beyond the uh, you know the quarterbacks are going to move the the needle a bit um, regardless of the market regardless of situation. But I have a column coming to Outkick uh, about four in particular that I think deserve attention and where there can be a ripple effect over the first month of practice because the way we're going to judge the second year quarterbacks, the way we're going to assess guys in contract years, the, the real grind begins week one, not practice one of training camp. But I think there are four to pay close attention to on where they are going into week one, because it matters for not just them, but the investment that the team will either choose to make or has made and where the head coach stands on the overall hierarchy of decision-making. First is, of course, Tua for me. Paul mentioned this uh, earlier this week, but uh, uh, Tonga Valoa and knowing the weapons that they have put around him this offseason, there has been no offense that made more seismic changes in the NFL than the Miami Dolphins when you pair everything together. Two big offensive line additions for a group that was really bad a year ago. Teron Armstead, uh, maybe the best player that they acquired. And I'm, I'm including Tyreek Hill and all that. That's how good Armstead is. He's now their left tackle. Um, Tyreek Hill goes without mention um, because he's been mentioned the entire offseason. But he's now paired with Jalen Waddell, who's coming off a great rookie season. Um, they have uh, Jasicki, who's coming off a career year at tight end. And they have overhauled their backfield with veterans. Not top-of-the-line running backs in the NFL, but guys who have been productive in spurts. Mostert, for instance. Sony Michelle is there and can be used in different ways within that offense. Um, so th- they, have, they, they have three or four backs to pair with Tua, and if they can get some semblance of a run game behind a better offensive line, they're, often, they're doing some nice things. But the, what they need is consistent play at, wide, uh, at quarterback because they've, they've pieced the nice uh, wide receivers with him. And the question is... How, how will Tua be as open practices really get going and the media dives in from a national and local perspective on how he's teaming with McDaniel there? Because that, this is a prove-it year of any prove-it year you can point to in the NFL for him. There's a lot of middle ground right now with Tua. Yeah, I think not just in terms of it's certainly a prove-it year, like you said, but how the media, how football fans view him, how the organization views him, how quickly will we be, we be off that middle ground based on his surroundings? And what I mean by that is this doesn't feel like a season for Tua where at the end of it we're going to say, oh, you know, verdict's still out. It's going to be all in or all out. Uh, he is going to get these pieces around him and take off and look drastically better because of a better surrounding cast, or he's going to stay the same or get worse and then we're going to have our answer that way also. So I, I don't see – these are the types of situations that really get me interested. And I talked about all the second-year guys, and two is not one of them. But all those second-year guys, so many of them, maybe with the exception of Trey Lance, who's really starting for the first time, um, you feel like you're going to know one way or the other after this year. And that may sound like I'm acting rash for some people watching or listening, but – I really think you're going to know what most of those guys. Tua is certainly in that category. If we're going to know one way or the other, maybe not even by the end of the season, maybe midway through the season, 
based on how this offense is ticking with these new additions. Yeah, well, these are the three for me, uh, Miami, Philadelphia, and the Jets. I agree with you that we may overdo it on feeling like we've got the verdict six weeks into the season, but I think we'll probably have a pretty good sense. And here's the the thing to me. I think Miami will know. Yeah, here's the thing to me that makes it interesting. All right. McDaniel is, is a clever coach. I'm very interested in seeing what he does. But what he's really going to be doing is kind of disguising the way he works around Tua's limitations as creative offense, right? He's going to do things here with Tyreek Hill that he's going to sell or is going to be bought by Miami media and fans as uh, quirky and unique and clever, uh, smart, but also in that clever, smart, quirky stuff, he's going to hide to his limitations to a degree. How often is Tua going to throw balls that are 15 yards in the air downfield, 20 yards in the air downfield, twice a game, three times a game? I mean, he's, he's, the, uh, he's at the bottom of all starters from last year on deep ball rate. I mean, uh, he's, he is very high in completion percentage and very accurate because most of those are 10 yards right. and in. But they can do things that can work effectively if they spread it out correctly, if they run sufficiently, if they play good defense and get the ball in decent field yeah. position often enough where it can work. And they can disguise that, and people aren't going to be saying, my God, Tua can't throw the ball downfield if they win some games. Well, Otherwise, we're going to be saying, my God, Tua can't throw the ball downfield. Well, and that leads me to, to number two, and it's Trey Lance, and it ties into uh, that same line of thinking. I mean, uh, Mike McDaniel came from San Francisco where Jimmy Garoppolo was limited in what they were going to be able to do offensively, and Shanahan made the most and, and disguised those limitations well. And if you say that, you know, Garoppolo wasn't all that limited, consider the fact that they have him under contract and they've already said he's not going to be the guy and they're going with their draft pick that they traded two future first-round picks for and a fourth-round pick to go and draft. And now it's Trey Lance's team. They announced that yesterday. It made it very clear. And it's been his team all offseason because Garoppolo hasn't been there. And he's been taking the first-team reps and he's been in all the meetings that he's allowed to be in and everything. Um, but he's, he had two starts last year. And there were signs of, you know, really good quarterback play. Like look at the Houston game, for instance. And then there were signs of, man, this is this is clearly a North Dakota State quarterback that didn't play all that much during COVID. So we, I point to uh, in Miami, we're going to know we'll have some real meat on the bone with Tua because of the joint practices. They will practice against Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. Tampa Bay getting it done in the preseason. Um, they'll, they'll have two joint practices, Tampa and Philly, for Miami. San Francisco will travel to uh, Minneapolis for a preseason game in week three of the preseason, I believe. That, the, the few days prior to that game is a joint practice against the Vikings. Those are training camp practices I'll be paying attention to for Trey Lance as you get two sides of media members and many national media members that will converge to judge where Lance is within this offense and how it's different. Uh, I do think the, the practices matter there, uh, more so than your average one-on-one -on -one drill, for instance. That, that, I'm paying attention to that. The, the start for Miami, just comparing the two. Tua, to start the season, guys, he has New England and Buffalo. 
And sandwiched in between those two divisional opponents is a road trip to Baltimore. So we'll we'll know fairly soon out of the gate. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, three of their first five opponents are teams like the Bears, the Seahawks, and one other team that we're not high on. They can cover for him. Um, Bears, Seahawks, and Panthers are three of their first five opponents. So if you're trying to get a young quarterback up and going That's and what you want. baptize them into the NFL, they have a schedule to do that, Shanahan. at least on paper. We'll scheme that up. Jalen Hurts is, uh, is another one to, to mention, and they've got a, a couple of joint practices uh, teed up for him too. And it's time for the next level stuff with him and Sirianni. I think it's a, a big year for, for his head coach. But he's coming off a year where he had 26 touchdowns. Uh, Ten of those were rushing. He was the leading rusher on his team. He was, he's the true dual threat that now has a true dual threat at wide receiver. And when you compare his 3,100 passing yards and his nearly 800 rushing yards with the fact that he has Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, this should be like the next shelf right before they get to the top tier, the good stuff. He, Jalen Hurts is in a great situation. Great situation. He's in year number three uh, of his rookie contract with a chance to put up big numbers with two really good wide receivers, a run game that was running on a lot of teams last year, a defense that should be better in the pass rush based on the offseason acquisition. Not great division. And Yeah, and he has an opportunity to renegotiate a contract, get an extension on a contract after year three, and he's doing it coming off a playoff season in year two. I, he's in a great spot. Now, it's a prove-it spot, but he's in a really advantageous spot for a young quarterback that is trying to prove he's the franchise guy. I feel like, I, I'm just listening to you talk, there are reasons for confidence and hurts. I feel like, you know, two-thirds to three-quarters of these prove-it guys are going to fail. And we're going to have a premium on another class who two-thirds to three-quarters of them are going to fail. And we're going to be shown again, reminded again. Right now, it feels like there's a lot of hope. But we're going to be proven again how hard it is to find a guy. And you, know, you know who may be the outlier in that? The team we just talked about with San Francisco. Because so much to talk about Trey Lance is not about Trey Lance's ability. It's about Kyle Shanahan's ability. That they're going to be just fine because it's Shanahan running the offense. And they saw something in this guy to draft him. So he'll be enough. He'll be sufficient. If they could win to that level with Jimmy Garoppolo, they're going to be just fine with him. And I think Miami's kind of joined at the hip with San Francisco because now we get to see a protege of Shanahan go to work with someone who's underperformed so far. Devil's advocate, there's another side of that where Shanahan may be overconfident in himself, sees this guy who didn't play at a high level, likes the raw qualities and says, oh, I can make that work. Like we see Vrabel do it a little bit here just the other day. He said, I, I, I don't want to be a coach that's known for having talent. Uh, which, you know, we understand See, on I, one level, but on another level, you think, well, I think you need Shanahan's, some talent. Shanahan's right? response will be the same that they had with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not, he's not going to blame himself on that. He's going to move on quickly from Trey Lance. Yeah, well, I don't think it's going to be, I'm going to force feed it and make this guy work. If they get in through the season and it's not working, he's going to be thinking, 
How do I go get the next guy? Well, he needs to make this guy work. They gave up the house, yep. right? They bet the ranch. Like uh, Miami holds their picks. Last year, he's not going to be able year, to get the next guy next year because he doesn't have any picks. You're right. And you know, and finally, Daniel Jones just comparing situations. He's a forgotten guy. Same division as Jalen Hurts. Hurts is in a great spot because he's returning within the same offense. He's added well weapons around him. Uh, his offensive line should protect him well. He has a run game. The Giants did what they could with a, the new GM, Joe Shane, and new head coach, and Brian Dayball. They inherited a really bad uh, salary cap situation and an offensive line that was awful. Awful. And they've done what they can on the offensive line to repackage that and even add depth to their starting group. But this is still a team in a transitional phase where Jones is stuck in the middle of it. So he, it's a prove-it year for him, but it's a likely a big-time contract somewhere else if he cashes in on whatever this could be. And success for him will be judged at a different level than Jalen Hurts based on expectation. I don't know. If he's great, they could fall in love with him because it's a new regime. And I think that's his hope. Brian Dayball is his hope. Well, here, But here's the problem. He's, he has a new offense – and Dayball, it's Dayball's system, but they also brought over Mike Kafka from Kansas City. And so they're pairing different things from different offenses. And the one demand, it's not a request, it is a demand from Dayball, is for his quarterback to let it loose, let it rip. And what happened last year? Yeah, he's not a little In year three, no, yes, he is. The problem is he had 51 turnovers combined over his last two, or first two years. And last year, they demanded that he tamp it down and keep everything smart and simple so he, that's, that's and safe. That's what I was saying. And he, he, was, he protected the football, but he didn't risk it. And this is a quarterback through first, the first two years who did it and turned it over. They're now telling him he has to let it rip within their style and their system. And it's the opposite of what they were asking him to do last year. And it's likely going to be leading to turnovers. He's going to run, too. That's the one uh, hopeful thing is that he can be Josh Allen-esque in his running. Can he be as durable as rugged? Primary complaint is next on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gentlemen, it is time for primary complaint on Outkick 360. And I'm building off of my complaint last week, which was, Chad, you missed it. We, we can see in galaxies deep into the universe, but a security camera remains grainy and there's no distinct qualities to anyone we're actually looking for who walks by a door wearing a hoodie just very grainy and the technology doesn't match up and equate for me. And it's the same for UFO sightings. Um, I scrolling Twitter this morning, last week, two months ago, you hear about all of these unidentified flying objects 
but you don't hear or see any photos from some of the major markets and cities across the globe where the main population resides. We always see these grainy photos from Skinwalker Ranch, Utah, or Groom Lake, Nevada, a hundred miles off the coast of San Diego in the Pacific Ocean, Kelly, Kentucky, and all of these just happen to be taken on a cell phone at best that reaches the qualifications that Chad Withrow keeps in his pocket. Not on any of the upgrades that I get and have, even if I don't want an upgrade on my iPhone. I want some big-time evidence from the world who sees these things using a device that actually captures this, not just because in, in, in real time, but just a, a single photo. I would take that. The problem is it doesn't exist. That's my primary Why complaint. Why can't Annie Leibowitz be shooting this? So my primary complaint this week, I'll keep it very simple and short. Um, if you were taking reservations or appointments in any way in the year 2022, and I'm calling out my doctor's office with this, and I love my doctor and I love everyone that works there. Love, love, love. You need to be able to text someone reminders. You need to be able to shoot them a text, give the reminder that way. That way I don't get four or five calls from different people going on shift that's working as the front, the person working the front of house at the doctor's office to confirm my appointment. Text, restaurants, doctor's office, text. That's the way to go. That's my primary complaint. My primary complaint is uh, unfortunately going to be the wave of the future. Dynamic pricing through Ticketmaster, which controls the world. Uh, if hmm. there are 2,000 people in there going after 25 tickets, the price goes up. This is happening with Springsteen, who's getting just destroyed for it, and certainly he's responsible for it. But, uh, look, what happens is you don't want the ticket at the price that's in there, so you go out. But you come back in because you're optimistic the price is going down. It's not going down, and the prices are through the roof. Of course, I bought for three shows anyway, (laughs) but so he wins. He paid the price. He wins. Uh, Should we be complaining, or should Rebels fans be complaining about Matt Corral's comments on Ole Miss? That's next.